0: This is Brian O'Neill of the Bus Boys, and you're listening to Mike Etchert and Jay Gilbert. You too can be one of the smartest people in the room. <laughs> From Rolling Stone, Spotify took down their music. They still don't know why. From Mashable, meet TikTok's Spotify influencers. From the LA Times, are concerts safe for a growing number of artists and tour pros? Risks outweigh rewards.
1: Also from Rolling Stone, music distribution is
0: getting more transparent. It's about damn time. And for Music Week, we're seeing the change to a consumption model, how streaming has transformed the album chart. Yeah, baby. This is episode number 55. It is the Your Morning Coffee podcast. Stand by for
2: transmission. This is London Coffee. Wake up! The revolution is at hand! Your morning coffee is on the air. On the air. On the air. On the air.
0: Well, Jay, it's good to see you. And that was my good friend Brian O'Neill from the Bus Boys, uh, giving us a little intro. <laughs> Thank you. It was that fun. Was good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What a great band. And they're recording new music. And you know, I got together oh, with cool. him for lunch not too long ago. And he's one of those guys because you know the Bus Boys came out. They were he really hit LA in the mid or early eighties. And of course they were in 48 hours with the boys who are back in town. And Huge. he's got a long standing relationship with Eddie Murphy. And, but he knows like everybody, we were <coughs> talking about earth, wind and fire at our lunch. And I was, cause I'm a giant earth, wind and fire fan. Oh, and me too. yeah. And the keyboard pair, Larry Dunn is like a big influence on me. And, and, and he knows all those guys. He's like, yeah, I, I he's like, I got to check it with Larry. I, am like, oh, dude, yeah. you know, everybody, you know, everybody in the music business. And he's been around for a long time and a good guy and uh, yeah fun fun to, fun to hang out with him so Very uh, cool and here we are jay the, the the double nickels episode number 55 55 can you believe I can't drive 55. It? that's right and um and i was talking uh, we were talking before we got on uh, the new olivia rodrigo song is fantastic <laughs> if you haven't heard uh it's 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 called uh traitor and I th- as i said i had the same visceral feeling that you had when you heard driver's license um and i like driver's license but i didn't love it at first I, I liked it more, but this one, I just kind of went, oh my God, very much in the kind of Taylor Swift, you know. Yeah, For about. those that thought she was a one hit wonder. <laughs> oh, this next record, yeah. it, it, I, I suspect it's yeah, going to be. That's fun. not going to happen. No, exactly. And, uh, you know, Jay, I say we talk about our sponsors because every week we sit down on Sunday mornings and without yeah. our sponsors, we could not make it happen. And we as you best. may know, we are sponsored by Tiva Music Metadata, dedicated to bringing order to the chaos of digital. Digital music. TiVo Music metadata offers obsessively deduplicated artist, album, and song IDs, expert written editorial content and ratings, verified images, weighted deep descriptors, similar artists, band members, and influences, authoritative credits personalization discovery and search apis purpose-built solutions for classical music and a global connected car platform linking broadcast radio with streaming to learn more step over to tivo.com slash music and learn about how they are basically bringing order to chaos a little bit of chaos I mean, out there jay i'm not sure yeah. if you noticed in the digital music uh, space there's some yeah chaos. a little
1: bit amazing amazing company your morning coffee podcast is also brought to you by our friends at band Built by musicians for musicians, Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in. Hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Your Morning Coffee podcast listeners can go to Banzoogle.com, try it for free for 30 days. Just use the promo code MORNINGCOFFEE, all one word, coffee, and you'll get 15% off your first
0: year of any subscription. That's Banzoogle.com. Promo code morning coffee, and we are also sponsored by Hypebot since two thousand and four. Hypebot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It's edited. It's edited daily by our good friend founder Bruce Houghton, with help from Owen Davis. Hypebot and sister uh, sister blog Music Think Tank are published by Live Music Discovery and Marketing Platform Bands in Town.
1: Yeah, speaking of Bands in Town, over fifty five million live music fans use Bands in Town. Yeah, you know, they all trust bands in town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's a number one artist services platform connecting over five hundred and thirty thousand artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and
0: artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote tour dates across all platforms. There you go. How about that? Band Zugo, Hypebot, Bands in Town, and our newest sponsor, TiVo, Music Metadata. Love it. And if you're saying to yourself, who is that Jay Gilbert guy? I mean, I know he used to do the underwear modeling thing with Calvin Klein. (laughs) Who is he? Well, Jay Gilbert, my good friend, is the curator (laughs) of the Your Morning Coffee newsletter, weekly music news for the new music business, and a former executive with Universal Music, Sony Music, Warner Music, and Fox Home Entertainment.
1: And Mike Edchart here is a longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI, Universal Music, and one of my favorite people on the planet.
0: Indeed. Good to see you, Mike. Indeed. You as well. And as I look at our clock, I realize that we were yapping for almost 45 minutes before we even hit record. <laughs> what the hell's yeah, the that's how it goes. <laughs> we should probably either hit record sooner or that's a true, lot man. more time because we could do this all day. Yes, we could. Yes, we could. But, uh, well, let's, let's jump into some stories, Jay. What do you say? Well, before we do, just really quickly, mm-hmm. I just want to tell you a
1: little bit about the last couple of days. Oh, yeah, um, I was on the road, which sounds weird to say during a pandemic. It does. I actually got on a got on an airplane and uh, flew to Michigan and saw some amazing performances. And uh, one was uh, the Accidental's, mm-hmm. which. Uh, I absolutely love. And they have a new track out, by the way, called City View. It came out last Friday, which will break your heart. So check out the accidental City View. Um, Also, while I was there, I got to see this kind of in-the-round sort of uh, singer-songwriter performance with three amazing female singer-songwriters with totally different styles each. There was Grace Pettis, Rachel Kilgore, and Blake Elliott and I was absolutely blown away at the talent. And so now I've got some some more music to kind of uh, explore. So if you love great singer-songwriters, check out Grace Pettis, Rachel Kilgore, and Blake Elliott. Um, all three of them are phenomenal in their own way, but they're not alike. Um, they all have their own styles, and I won't uh, dig too deep into that right now, but, but check them out. So that was amazing and special, you know, shout out to Amber Beist for, uh, you know, her hospitality. But it was such a great uh, few days in beautiful Michigan. And it was so great to be at a live performance again and just see people
0: who are just starving for uh, for live music. Oh, it was yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and it's, you, know, you again, when you especially when you kind of see artists in that, in that format, you know, you just, there's just so much talent out there. It's unbelievable. And, uh, and it, it's, it's, it, for me, at least when you see it live, you know, we, and we've talked about that, you know, how, how there's just so many artists that you, when you see them live, it, it, the whole connection it's, happens. You're like, it's okay, different. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's a whole different experience. You're absolutely right. Um, before we get into today's or this week's stories, I wanted to ask you about a piece that we're not going to dig too deep into, but it was really <laughs> quite a buzz this week. <laughs> I and it was the one. one. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the baby on the cover of never Nirvana's nevermind. <laughs> yeah. The guy's name is Spencer Eldon. He's now 30. Um, he's suing them. And what what strikes me is really odd about that is there are photos, you know, on the Web of him during certain anniversaries of this album, recreating the photo and having fun with it and posting it on social media. And I'm just, you know, clearly there's a a lot of buzz going around about, you know, well, why would he sue them? And then there's this great meme uh, with the. uh, angel artwork on the cover of in utero that now she's suing them uh, for that which it's just a joke but it's hilarious did you see that i did see that. that yeah
0: yeah yeah and i'm thinking that that yeah you know well what did he say he had something uh he said basically he says his parents never signed a release authorizing the use of his image on the album um he also alleges the nude nude image constitutes child pornography a, a fairly serious which,
1: which legally it certainly does not i actually looked that up right and it, it doesn't but you know that's i think that was a lawyer who said that in one of the articles yes, that i read was right. that it's like come on you guys this thing has been out you know since what 1990 yeah exactly and and now you're you're all up in arms and yeah, I, I don't Well, know. he
0: says he suffered and will continue to suffer lifelong damages as a result of the artwork, including extreme and permanent emotional distress, as well as interference with his normal development and educational progress. And medical and psychological treatment. So and it, not
1: being able to maybe buy that new car or anything. Well, yeah. I was
0: going to say, yeah, uh, what if he's looking for a house down payment okay. or something? And like, there you <laughs> well,
1: go. We'll find out.
0: <laughs> anyway,
1: yeah, that was just, it was interesting to see that. And uh, a lot of people were talking about it and posting about it. So anyway, yeah. let's dig yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: it. All right. This next one from Rolling Stone. Spotify took down their music. They still don't know why. What? Yeah. yeah. Well, we talked about
1: this, you know, this happened in January, um and you and I talked about it a couple of times, but um this this piece by the way is in Rolling Stone written by Jason Keel. You know, it says indie artists with legitimate fans seem to be the collateral damage in Spotify's war against music streaming bots and artificial listeners. But here's the thing, uh, I thought that this had kind of been resolved. Um, because I, I know DistroKid was under fire for this, and they had a form that you could fill out. And um, what we're finding by reading this is that there's some artists that haven't had their music returned right. yet. Right. And even one who's gone as far as changing the name of their band and re-uploading it and just kind of starting again. And for those that don't know, what, what happens here is that if you use bots and spin farms, mm-hmm. and you may not even know it, but if you hire somebody or pay a service to give you spins or anything likes follows i mean just don't do it because you can get pulled off of these platforms and it's so easy to tell um, there was a, a part of this article where they they were saying that you know like well how can you tell you know no one says how spotify can tell you can tell really easily right. uh, one of the services that we use is called vibrate and vibrate is kind of like chartmetric or one of those really great data platforms but what they have which is uh, really cool is they'll show the audience growth and then a graph underneath it that shows the engagement so when you see you know from a tour or a sync license or a good press hit and you see that spike in audience growth, you can actually see the engagement spike mm-hmm. at the same time. But if you see a huge growth and there's no engagement, and then the other thing, which is a dead giveaway, like if you're looking at chart metric and you're saying, "Oh, they're chugging along here at like you know ten thousand spins a-, a week," and then all of a sudden it goes up to seventy-five thousand, almost on the nose, right? Like seventy-five thousand and three, seventy-five thousand and two, and for like five or ten days. It's it's so obvious that you know there are games being played, and then of course it drops down after the campaign, right? Sure. And you and I always say, don't do it. Um, yes. it you can get into trouble for it. And in this case, like they estimate, you know, maybe seven hundred and fifty thousand tracks were taken down in January.
0: Right. There was an artist they, they talked about on here specifically, and and she was mentioning that uh, she had a tr- she had a track. That was not her biggest song, but it was flagged as suspicious because she had her friends, fans and family, many of whom reside in Phoenix, Arizona. Miles, and she happens to be in California to stream it overnight and so and everybody does that right of course and so boom then you wake up the next day and it's taken down and oh um, I mean one of the I think we talked about it at the time too. one of the one of the big surprise things to me was how big DistroKid is I mean it yeah it, it sure seemed like it was them that they were targeting but in fact they just happen to be the largest DSP that's uploading a lot of a lot of these independent yeah artists. they say that
1: up to 40 percent of what's being uploaded today is through DistroKid, and like we mentioned last week that number is now about a half a million a week, which averages out to roughly 70,000 a day. Of course, they don't upload music every day. Typically, you know, well, I guess they do, but they don't release it every day. They release it on Fridays. Anyway, um, those are some huge numbers. And with DistroKid uploading that much, um, we don't know if the other dsps followed suit i haven't seen any articles saying that other dsps were pulling things down although i do know that they do in fact do that from time to time but this was a really large kind of shot across the bow and there was collateral damage right there were some people who
0: claim I didn't do anything wrong and I can't get anybody on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Well and that's and there is you know that's and I've had people a similar thing that that were that sell things on Amazon that have Amazon stores and all of a sudden it gets taken down. Yeah, good luck trying to get somebody to even email you back with reasons why it's been taken down and this is the exact same scenario. And what do you do? You know, this is <clears throat> they they've, there's nothing you can do uh, yeah. except you know maybe try to Reload or who knows? You know, there's a, a few kind of workarounds, maybe, but and it's but yeah. it all gets back to these kind of bots and spin farms suspicions, and yeah, boom, you're down. And
1: we <laughs> had an artist pulled down be and what they had done, we found out was independent of our campaign, they had hired a friend who had a publicity firm. Mm-hmm. And that publicity firm hired a company, a all white right. label company to boost Uh, some of the spins and that company uh, was using some means like bots and spin farms. And so all of a sudden we're working this campaign and the artist called me and their music was pulled down and we did, uh, we did get it back up, but that's, that's the challenge of all of this you know they say that many of the artists that were affected were taken by surprise you know they were alerted to this by fans mm-hmm. instead of by spotify or you know and their business teams you know it's it's just another problem to deal with on top of this brutal you know pandemic this halted all their touring revenue and they mentioned in the article that you know the income from you know these musicians you know that they receive from Spotify is paltry. And again, we talk about this every week, but it bears repeating: artists don't get paid by Spotify; mm-hmm. uh, the rights holders do. Yeah. And whenever I read something where someone complains that Spotify isn't paying artists, you know you need to dig back into that and see well who is the rights holder. Sure. Meaning, you know, um, are you on a label? you know and you and i were talking earlier about co-rights there's so many multiple co-rights and that splits things up so just just you know a little
0: a little now, side now note the artists there. that you were working with that had their stuff taken down was there any was there ever any formal communication that that explained why that happened
1: no no um there was not uh, until we engaged, and I'm I'm fortunate that I know some no, people yeah. that work there, and I could reach out to, and they they'd help me. But that's one of the reasons why uh, people ask me, well, why should I use a, a distributor like InGrooves or ADA or you know AWOL or you know some of these like major indies, The Orchard, is that you know they say, well, why should I give up that revenue? Um, and this is one of the reasons why problem solving. Yes, because if you try to do it through DistroKid, and and I like DistroKid, I'm not knocking them, but they have so many. You know, if forty percent of the you know releases are going through them, Unreal. it reminds me of Facebook. Like a friend of mine is having a problem with Facebook. They've got two point eight nine uh, billion users. There's a lot of people complaining, <laughs> complaining about yeah. a lot of stuff, and. You know they don't have the the bandwidth to talk personally to every single person, so that's a challenge when you're at scale, yeah. right? Yeah, like yeah. that, and so yeah, with with DistroKid, they had so much stuff being uploaded, they had so much stuff yanked down, so they're kind of in the crosshairs here. But you know, they they have a limited um, number of people that you can reach out to. And so that's why they created that form. But if you're through one of these major indies and you have an issue, typically you have a label manager or a contact there that you can call up and say, Hey brother, you know, um, my thing got this. And they've got people who have
0: weekly meetings with not only the DSPs but with some of these social platforms. Absolutely, no. And I, I've worked a lot with the Orchard over the years with a with a sort of a label group I kind of manage. And I've been mm-hmm. super, 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 always impressed with how quickly I get responses back and how you know they're just they're really on it because I've got a, a label rep there. And yeah, absolutely. But but again, like everything in life, you know, when whether it's it's life insurance or you know we all kind of look for the best price and there's a trade-off. You know, that's a good point.
1: There's a trade off of, you know, do you want to pay more and have more service or do you want to have less service and make a little bit more of that pie? But you're absolutely right. There's a trade off.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So, uh, yeah, because like, you know, this was back in January that we talked about this or maybe early February at the latest. And here we are coming up in september and and it's still an issue out there and it's going to be continue to be an issue so
1: yeah and well there's one link here to an article they talk about written by uh fur rivero uh, on medium and this this is something that um came out in february and i remember um it was in your morning coffee and the headline of the piece if you want to read it is called the spotify music purge 2021 yeah february edition and it says thousands of songs were gone from the spotify catalog on january 1 and artists were targe- targeting targeting distro and spotify as the culprit what happened so they they list a few of the things i'm just going to go through a couple of these one was was this a distro kid issue and the answer is no the move came from spotify alone in a way to stop artificial streaming from happening you know, the fact that most artists were from DistroKid was because they are the biggest music distributor for independent music at the moment. Okay. Then the next one was, um, did, um, did Spotify re return some of the music? And the answer is yes, they did. Some just dis- distributors district can't speak this morning. DistroKid included offered, uh, artists a document to reclaim their songs one of the manager i work with got all the all the songs back from the artist showing proof of a marketing campaign facebook ads blog blogs etc and then maybe the last one i'll just touch on here really quickly is you know did spotify finally add a captcha you know c-a-p-t-c-h-a the captcha you know to stop bots uh, uh accounts from being created and the answer is it looks like they did they increased control over account creation and in multiple cases my team and I found a captcha when logging in Ooh. hopefully this is implemented for everybody and will stop bot farms soon so this is really you know complicated and I think the bottom line is, yes, you shouldn't use bots and spin farms or any, any service that you buy, likes, spins, follows, any of that stuff. That's, we talk about that and we'll continue to talk about that. Don't do it. It's, it looks like a good thing to do and you see their ads on Facebook and they guarantee it and just don't do it. And then on the other hand, if, if you do get taken down all bets are off because it's so difficult yeah. to get a hold of someone to, if you're not a part of, you know, Sony, Universal, you know, or one of these major indies that you and I talked about like The Orchard and InGrooves, um
0: it's really a problem. Yeah, and it's just it's 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 like quicksand. It's really hard to get out <laughs> to get out of it. And if that's if you happen to have that misfortune um yeah. Oh, yeah, right, so. yeah
1: and did you see the last kind of comment in the article um was about uh from Dimitri uh, Alare, uh who's from uh, lander mm-hmm. you know, another distributor yeah. and which is based in Montreal and he says that his company regularly receives reports from Spotify telling them which releases you know seem to be based on fake streams and that's the first time I'd heard about that mm-hmm. But the last line of the article, he says, but he's in the dark about how the streamer tracks this because it doesn't tell distributors how it looks for them. So they don't really know what to look for on their own other than a couple of the things I mentioned with Chartmetric and Vibrate that I you know, talked about earlier. So, yeah, it's, it's a problem because some of these artists still don't have their music up.
0: Yeah, and that's a, it, and it seems like there's, sh- well, yeah, I, it it seems like the least they they can do is is when something is taken down, even if it's just a a basic, really basic form that's filled out or with just a couple of things checked, you know, it's like this is why it's down, boom, and and at least you kind of have a start to to sort of maybe go backwards and and. And And how to fix it, other than maybe the
1: form. You
0: know, if they told you
1: why it was taken down and and they said, This is what we saw, you can respond and say, Well, that's just because all my family lives in Traverse City, Michigan. And I told them all this to play it as many times as possible. And there's nothing against someone's terms of service for doing that. In fact, you and I have seen all these stories about Justin Bieber's fans or BTS's fans, you know, getting everybody involved in streaming it. That's like getting your friends to call in a radio station that's and request. Exactly what it is. Yeah. There's that's
0: fandom, and I don't think there's anything illegitimate about that. No, it's it's a fine line, though. <laughs> Clearly so. Yeah. All right. Well, let's roll the next article. Uh, this is uh, Elena Cavenders, and she's over at Mashable. Uh, this was a, you know, every every week I am always kind of surprised at you know things that I just I I, I know it's kind of in the distance. I know a little bit about them, but. I don't really spend that much time thinking about them, and this is really yeah. interesting. Meet TikTok's Spotify influencers, uh, the new type of music blogger. No surprise, really. Um, yeah. there is a ton of folks on TikTok that are are really making a name for themselves as influencers, and this will shock you, Jay. And they're hearing from labels that are kind of trying to trying to uh, influence their influencers.
1: As, as they should. As
0: they should. Right?
1: Yes, exactly. Labels aren't stupid. You know, they're following the data. And I love this. Is it Carly Bogey? I believe um, so, yeah. The one that they're talking to, you know, she's a 21-year-old student from uh, the Indianapolis area who has over 65,000 followers on TikTok, which isn't massive for TikTok. I mean, they they have some folks who have uh, yeah, millions, millions and millions. But for but for this, it's, it's really solid. And she said that, you know, most of the music that she features... On her playlist are indie, alternative, and folk. And I went to TikTok and I looked at a, a few of her um, videos. And one of them was really good. She she called out four artists, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to read you the four artists because I checked out all of their music, and they're all really good. You know, it's not like this is my friend's band, and I you know. So here are the four. One is Maude Latour, mm-hmm. um, and she's fantastic a woman's name was, mod by the way m-a-u-d not not yeah. not m-o-d like mod squad yeah. yeah yeah right and then there was dreamer boy which you know we were, we were talking about auto-tune last week and that great mark ronson thing this yeah. is a the epitome of auto-tune at least on this track um chloe lilac mm-hmm. and gene dawson and they're all amazing so i i saw this and i'm thinking i'm gonna find some of these influencers who are getting some of this, getting to some of this early music. Cause look, there's only so many hours in a day and I love discovering new music. I know you do too. And recently I discovered a couple of artists that weren't new, but they were new to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's new. Like um, one, I think I was telling you about um, Teddy swims. Yes. Yes. Uh, My friend, Chris Schmidt told me about uh, Teddy swims and he sent me this song and Teddy does a couple of cool covers and I listened to him literally all day, one day. Right. And his voice is just absolutely amazing. And then the other one on kind of the countryside was uh, Haley Witters. I think that's her name. I think I'm getting close. And I, <laughs> I caught, there's this playlist that I, I really have fallen in love with. It's called um, Country Coffee House. Oh. And what it is, is it reminds me of the stuff that you and I grew up on, like Poco and Pure Prairie League and the mm-hmm. Eagles. Yeah. Is it country? No, not really. I guess country you know, influence the- for sure yeah sure it's kind of americana it's kind of country it's just kind of melodic stuff and i was listening to it and all of a sudden this song came up from uh, haley and it was um called heartland and and i know you do this too i listened to that song like 10 times yes. in a row oh, yeah. you know when yeah. i when i love a song i want to peel back the layers Re- of replay, the onion replay yeah. replay i did that with teddy swims and his his song broke which i absolutely love anyway getting back to this story I am now going
0: to start following some of these influencers that they talk about in this story. Well, and it's interesting. she you know, she mentioned that she's constantly listening to music and curating her playlist while studying and sets aside a few hours a couple times a week to focus on playlist organization. But ultimately, you know, she she says one of my goals as a music blogger is to make indie music more accessible and not as pretentious. There is a gatekeeper culture around indie music, and that's something that I've wanted to work against, especially being a woman. Uh, in, uh, in in the industry and that's that's a really interesting observation which is it's you know, a powerful statement. absolutely the gatekeeper culture around indie music and you know I I, I started my career at, at SST records which was like a, a punk label and I saw that all the time you know it's like as soon as somebody gets the slight bit of success oh I'm done with them they're they've gone merch they used to say commercial I've gone they've gone yeah. merch it's like he really? What? It's like, so it's only cool if 10 people like him or a hundred people or whatever the number is. And so I think we're, yeah, that's always a battle with, with certain groups yeah. uh, and styles of I'm music. not like
1: that. Not you know, at if all. If I like it, I like it. I'm not, I want to you know, tell everybody about it. The hipster yeah. tastemaker. Exactly. But
0: I like that, you know, I like a lot of these folks. They are really coming from a place of, of, Fandom, you know, they they're not trying to be famous. They're not trying to be. To, well, to there's their one fandom. I want to get your well, yeah, opinion yeah, yeah, on, yeah, though. There was the, this, the one. You know where I'm going here. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So there's this guy named Masked uh, the, Mortal. Yes. Right. The guy from Michigan yep. in his 20s, and I don't. I'm going to let you talk about this because this one kind of ticked me off a little bit. Um, yeah. This is one of the things about the music industry that rubbed me the wrong way. They. I'm. I'm not saying it's unethical. I'm not saying that it's illegal. I'm just saying that. I don't like it.
0: Yeah, so he's he's monetizing his th- this guy, the masked immortal. I, I kind of say the because he 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 wears like a ski mask and kind of vaguely superhero <laughs> looking. Uh, he's got two million followers on on TikTok and uh, it, over thirty million likes accumulated across his videos. His Spotify has over forty-one thousand followers and his most popular mm-hmm. playlist. Uh, POV I'm going to fist fight a demon or is it POV I'm going to fist fight a demon I'm not sure what that is but he's got over 74,000 likes and he says I do merch on my website and I do song reviews Uh, He said he sells branded ski masks. He charges artists $15 for him to listen to the song and consider it for social support. Let's pause on that just for a second.
1: Can you read that line again, please? Yes,
0: he charges artists $15 for him to listen to the song and consider it for social support and $30 to receive personalized feedback about the track, which is a testament to the impact of... Other TikTokers. So I got an email from someone who read
1: this article, and they were ticked off. And I they bet. said, "They said this is preying on indie artists." Yes. And there, there's something about this that just doesn't feel right to me. Um, I'm not a fan of pay per play. No. In in venues, on DSPs, socials, any of that stuff. So I, I am going to check this out and see you know what his uh, recommendations are and if they're consistent and um see what this is all about and look you can't uh, fault someone for wanting to make a living people make a living on TikTok and YouTube all the time um and then there are, are companies that i feel go a different direction like maybe submit.hub and you know where they'll get you're not paying for playlist placement you're paying for someone's opinion right and if they like it, they might add it to their blog or their college radio station or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. Uh, to me, there's such a fine line between that and just. It, this reminds me of those songwriting contests where they say, "You know, we've got you know this celebrity who's judging this songwriting contest, but it's only
0: three hundred dollars to enter." Yeah, you uh, know, yeah. Well, one of the the, the article ends, which which is kind of true. It's like these TikTokers are democratizing the process of discovering new music and changing what music has the potential. Uh, changing what music has the potential to go viral through their curated playlists. So, I do kind of like that notion of um, you know there 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 is a democratization happening, and um, you know it's it's not being it's not it's a little bit more organic, I guess. You know the the, yeah. the, the masked whatever that dude's name was what's in it with uh, the masked mortal. Mortal. I think you want to say the yeah. masked marvel? The masked mortal. That one set aside. Um, you know, I I, I do kind of like breaking down some of those 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 barriers and borders. Um, yeah. But it's a, yeah. You, know, and, you it, and
1: I talked about that a little bit. Um, we did a story a while back on um, Johnny Cloherty's uh, company. Um, it's it's yeah. fall, falling out of my head. Um, songfluencer. Jeez. Oh yeah, Sorry, yeah yes, yes, yes. I need more coffee. Songfluencer <laughs> or a younger and brain. And listen, you're paying to get your music Mm -hmm. in front of influencers. And a lot of people do this, a lot of labels, distributors, brands, they do this because if you've got a lot of ears and eyeballs on you, um, they want to put their music in front of you. And I I don't think there's anything wrong with, with that. And I see a lot of artists being uh, broken uh, that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've used songfluencer. um, But I think that's a little bit different uh, and maybe someone will write to me and tell me I'm wrong that the uh, masked uh, mortal is, is fine uh, for that. But make no uh, mistake that TikTok is where a lot of music consumers are. The platform is really based in large part on music, whether it's, you know, dance challenges or, you know, old town road or whatever, you know, it's, it's a force and you're going to see some of these uh, curators Uh, develop audiences and I'm kind of excited about it um, on some level. Um, But again, there's a a little
0: sleazy side of it too. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a second. Music business and sleazy. You take that back. Gosh, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) First time. So hurt. So so hurt. All right, Jay, let's, uh, let's uh, go up to the next story from the LA times. My favorite publication, Are concerts safe for a growing number of artists and tour pros, Risk outweighs reward, and uh, you you just saw your uh, your first co- or a, a concert you just went to last. Uh, yes, just, uh, just it's my coming. first one in yeah. a year and a half. I right. mean, I
1: went to that video shoot that I told you about, yeah. mm-hmm. which was different. You know, it's lip syncing. You know, doing a video shoot, and as I mentioned on the show, um, I was exposed to COVID. Uh, on that video shoot and got tested and it was negative, uh, thankfully. And I am going to get tested now, um, after returning from this trip just to be safe and and to know what's going on. Yes, I'm vaccinated. Um, but it's, it's scary whenever you're in uh, a group of large people, whether it's on an airplane in an airport, um, thankfully everybody was wearing masks. But when I got to the show, there were a lot of people there and I didn't see any masks other than on the band and the crew and management. And when the band did their meet and greet after the show and signed autographs, um, they wore masks. And I was told that sometimes people give them a hard time for that. And I heard one fan say, you know, like, can you take the masks off, you know, for, for a photo, whatever. And their response was very kind. And they were saying like, look, we travel around everywhere. I mean, they've got like another 40 dates I think on this tour um, you have to be really careful. And now getting to this piece um, talk a little bit about that first part, you know, with, with the artist um, yeah, um,
0: Madeline, because I, I think this is really important. Well, it's just worth kind of almost reading. She says, back in July, Madeline felt sick after a concert and knew she'd lose her job. The LA-based musician and audio engineer who asked to use a different name for this story for for fear of losing future work was mixing sound for a support act on a medium-sized tour through the U.S. promoted by Live Nation. There were some of her first dates working in a year and a half. At the end of the month, she said a portion of the crew, all vaccinated, fell ill after a show. Their tour manager got rapid COVID-19 tests for the whole 11-member team which was paid for from their own tour budget. Uh, Three members tested positive, including this woman, Madeline. The tour tour manager made the call to shut the tour down and go to a hotel to isolate. That was exactly the right thing to do, she said. But she's frustrated to see tours once again falling apart over COVID-19 fears, just as many states end expanded unemployment and other support systems. She said, every show we played was in a hot spot, and no one working backstage at the local venues was masked. If you're a smaller artist dependent on live events, there's no way to be able to afford to test every day, she said. There's so much secrecy around this, and there might well be outbreaks happening within this demographic. We're all shooting in the dark, and I went to it wasn't a concert, but I went to a um, an event down in Orange County yesterday. They have they had a vintage guitar show, and uh, I got there right when it opened, and I was shocked at how you know the the sign that you're seeing now is uh, is basically what does it say? It said um, masks uh, masks. Uh, not uh, like basically it says for the unvaccinated you have to wear a mask, but nobody's looking or testing or anything. And so basically they're saying masks are optional. And I got in, I had my mask with me, but th- when I first got there, there was weren't that many people there, but it started filling up very quickly. And I, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna put my mask on now, which I probably should have worn it going in. Mm-hmm. But I remember walking around and just you know, very few people were masked up. And yeah, it's it's this is going to be a problem, I'm, and I'm going to go to my first show on September 9th, I think it is. I'm going to go see Lucas Nelson up at the Ventura Theater, and that's going to be an indoor show. And man, I'm not going to take my mask off for that. And yeah, it's it's uh, something that listen, you know, you're hearing it's still. It, you can still get it, even if you're vaccinated, obviously, oh, yeah. we've talked um, about. Paul and, Stanley
1: from KISS uh, I saw just that. got it, and I was supposed to shoot them September 10th. I don't know if that's happening uh, up at uh, Shoreline Amphitheater, but you're absolutely right. You can be vaccinated and still get it and have no symptoms or have you know lots of sy- symptoms. Um, but one thing that I pulled out of here that I thought was really interesting is a, a a comment by Ray Waddell, who's the president of the Oakview Group uh, Media and Conferences. You know, It's a parent uh, um, firm of the uh, concert industry analyst uh, Polestar that you may have heard of. Anyway, he had this great quote. He said, I had one promoter tell me that the reopening has been far more challenging than
0: the shutdown. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Well, you know, the, the article shows a picture of BTS. And mentions that they've canceled their upcoming stadium tour due to the surge in COVID-19 cases. Also a picture of Phoebe Bridgers. She's moved all of her 2021 concerts to outdoor venues. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of kind of, you know, know, of course you probably heard Stevie Nicks preemptively backed out of several planned headline gigs. Pixies canceled their fall tour and festival dates. Um, Neil Young. Yeah, exactly. Nine Inch Nails, yeah. A lot of people, exactly. And so... um, yeah, you know, it's it's just when you thought it was going to be, you know, that we're coming out of it. Yeah, and this is by Of course, this is, you know, I think and as we know, you know, a, a lot of of illnesses and stuff uh, are seasonal. And so as as the weather starts to get cooler and, you know, we head into the winter, I, this is this is not going to get better. This is going to Yeah, get- there
1: was a there was a interesting post uh, the 9-inch nails um posted on social media. Uh, and I'm quoting, uh, when originally planned, these shows were intended to be a cathartic return to live music. However, with each passing day, it's becoming more apparent
0: we're not at that place yet. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, definitely worth watching. But man, I just, uh, I, this is going to be continue. you know, it's going to be more cancellations more maybe moving to to outdoors venues but that gets harder again as as the weather gets cooler and yeah, yeah so i don't I just, there's nothing melts <laughs> you know it's as the, as this woman madeline said i'm turning down work she said because the first question i ask is what's your covid-19 policy and she yeah. says many artists don't have one yeah not good yeah not good
1: yeah i mean uh, it says that several promoters made big proclamations about mandates right and mm-hmm. and there's always an asterisk about, quote, except where it violates the law, right? At the risk of dipping a toe in politics, if there were at least a real national protocol, it would be terrific help. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, the perfect storm of, you know, people have weaponized and politicized uh, our safety. And without going into a, a diatribe about that, I will say that it's just challenging, so challenging. You know, we joked around a little bit last week about how some of these artists have been eating sawdust for a year and a half. Yeah. So you know, buy their tickets, buy their merch, um, help them out, and now on top of that it's like COVID part two and how are we going to navigate this and, and still say, uh, stay safe. But a really, really interesting, uh, piece in, uh, the LA times written by August Brown.
0: Yep. Definitely check it out. It's, uh, it is going to, something we're going to be talking about for, for the next year without a doubt. For the next year I'm guessing so yeah. alright uh, up next is another from Rolling Stone actually music, music distribution is getting more transparent it's about damn time <laughs> yeah and I'm going to great headline yeah I'm going to let you start it because I got to pull it up here uh, yeah
1: no problem the the kind of the sub headline is you know in, in the latest big wave of a rising tide distributor and payment platform stem yes will reveal new software that helps artists recoup loans advances right and, and track earnings with more ease we dug in a little deep uh last week Mm -hmm. on the differences between roles and responsibilities of labels and distribution and how those are evolving and how the lines are blurring you know years ago you wouldn't see many advances from indie distributors or major distributors that was kind of the realm of the the record label And STEM were learning, and this piece kind of illustrates, that they were one of the first in the space to not only kind of blur those lines, but to add these tools, these dashboards that show all of the information, not only on sales, streams, and downloads, but if you've got an advance, like where you're at in the recoupment and how that's being recouped. And for an independent artist, this
0: is really important. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the great things, speaking of STEM, it says, old school versus new. STEM CEO discusses, discusses the crossroads. Five years ago, I would have told you that the industry wants to be opaque because it benefits from opacity. I don't think that's true anymore. A lack of ease to ease, easy-to-use tools has, presented, has prevented more clarity. The technology major labels are using was built for a physical world. That worked when there were 40,000 songs released a year. Today, there are 60,000 released a day. And you know, again, you're you're talking about. Well, it's just in many ways I I find it really interesting because you know how sometimes things change and then some some things kind of stay the same. You know, here we are talking about mm-hmm. advances again, and you know I've, I thought for sure that that was going to be slowly fading away, and yet not so much. <laughs> no, in yeah. fact, it's it's growing. Yeah,
1: especially you know we won't get into the whole you know, uh, buying up of catalogs, you know, with Hypnosis and, you know, Primary Wave and all these these companies. But people are now seeing that there is a predictability to this business that hasn't been there in a while in some cases. What, what I really pulled out of this is that there have been tools for artists. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, my company uses some of these tools, but they're really not meant for people like you and me, they're meant for CFOs and accountants. Um, yeah. One of the, um, one of the things that jumps out at me is that it says use, uh, this is about the the software itself. It says most of the accounting software out there is very enterprise grade, you know, that it's meant to be used by finance person or an accountant. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between then and now this new software, you can tell at a glance, it's got a very, um, very nice user interface where you can see visually how things are doing and i use back end systems you know for a lot of different distributors that we have artists who are like um, the orchard is really good and mm-hmm. ingrooves is is really good and you can kind of see things like well how is it performing how's a song performing yeah. what's the skip rate and you know what's the source of stream where is it coming from but I think what STEM's done is taken that a step further and add kind of the financials in there. So you don't have to be a CFO
0: to understand your business. Right. I, should, I want to jump back just for a second on advances, though. One thing that is completely different, obviously, is that unlike traditional record labels, they're you're getting in advance, but they're not necessarily. Maybe some are, but but most are are not asking for a percentage of ownership in return. So, but that's so, a huge point. It's a huge point, and one of the more interesting things, of course, is when you know in, in the old music business, there was there was no data to look at. You would sign an artist hoping that they were going to be successful, but you had no. It was just your ears and your gut saying, "Yeah, I think that's going to work." Which, as we know, is, is you know, like in baseball, if you're hitting it a third of the time, you're a superstar. And it's mm-hmm. probably worse than that in, in, in signing artists. So in, in many ways, the risk is, is so much less now to the folks offering advances because they do have some data to look at. So this is essentially right. saying, you've had this success already. We see yeah. that. So we're going to give you an advance. There's a little predictability. There's some predictability. Exactly. So and you're right.
1: They have the data... At their fingertips to determine that, you know, the the piece points out that, you know, recouping, uh, you know, those rules when you get in an advance and then you have to recoup before you start uh, making additional money, typically, uh, you know, those rules um, let users recoup expenses before splits are paid out with STEM, you know, and they quoted that when an artist is really growing their business, there are costs, right? Recording costs, yeah. production costs, marketing costs advertising, touring costs. If it's a 360 deal, that can add up. If someone is putting up the money, whether it's the manager, the artist, their parents, or the independent label that's using STEM for distribution, that person wants to see money recouped before other people get a piece of that. those net profits.
0: Yeah. And there's a little parenthetical little note here talking about... Uh... Uh, this guy named Michael Vaughn, who was Venmo's former COO, and he's a STEM investor and board member. I'm mean, like, ooh, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, when you, you you again when you talk about some of you know remember how the the old music business was was somewhat you know it, it was it was kind of sheltered, but but you know, when you have people yeah. like Venmo's former COO on a, as a board yeah. member of STEM and an investor, you're like you know it's it's these are real big money companies outside of the music outside industry. of the music industry, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, boy, it's really, really interesting. But as it says, STEM isn't the first young digital first company to place the idea of transparency firmly at the core of its mission. Uh, Cobalt has been at the forefront of this mm-hmm. on the publishing side for years, while DistroKid and CreateSafe both made headlines for their own master's specific tech that they developed during quarantine times. But STEM is taking more of a big picture look at the careers of today's multifaceted artists. You know, yeah. moving forward, but it is again. I But I still keep coming back to the 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 difference from the old and the new, and how uh, this data is available now at, at times when I mean it's certainly obviously morphing and improving as it should, but it's just such a dramatic change from yeah from the from the old music business. And you know, you were we all remember the the what's what's the right phrase? Uh, while well not you know while well not. Really, uh, ob- uh, the obfuscation was somewhat subtle, or less subtle, or depending on time. But it, you know, it was just really hard to get to the bottom of anything. And
1: oh yeah, you'd have to have an audit an or something audit. if you really wanted to. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, and remember,
1: last week we talked about United Masters mm-hmm. and some of their new tools. So this is a trend, and um, I learned, you know, in this article that STEM was really kind of ahead of the curve mm-hmm. on a lot of this. Um, but I've known for years that these distributors have been growing their own kind of homegrown data uh, systems and I've watched them evolve with some of the distributors that I work with and labels as well. And label groups um, like universal music, for example, they have some of their own homegrown systems for tracking things, but making sense of it. Yeah. Is there, is there a spike, you know, is something overperforming or underperforming and what, what is the reason behind that and it these are the things that really help it's like that we talked about i think last week that movie moneyball you know wasn't yes. that with like the Oakland A's and they uh-huh. used data
0: Billy Bean, to yeah.
1: win yeah to win games that's what the music industry is doing now it's it's moneyball they're using yes. this data but on the other side and really what they're talking about here in this uh, rolling stone piece is that there's transparency where there wasn't transparency, yeah. typically
0: yeah, absolutely, really good article, really, really fun yeah. read and, yeah and again, kind of what's old is new and what's new is old, and but at the end of the day, as we're moving the ball down the field, the, 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 the transparency level is increasing, and that's really, really interesting and important for, for artists without a doubt. yeah. And our last article for the podcast, Jay, is from Music Week. We're seeing the change to a consumption model, how streaming has transformed the album's chart. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of talking about this, I think on, on one of a podcast, or maybe it was before we even started recording, about kind of the rise of of on TikTok of um, of catalog artists, how that has changed dramatically. Actually, we've just seen it over the last year, and um, yeah, and you know, and here we, we're talking again about uh, about the, the changes. <laughs> Again, it's, it's that is so the the most amazing thing about the new music business is the is the rapidity with which change happens, and yeah. we've talked it's about evolving that. quickly, it's evolving quite, and boy, it's really hard to keep track, really hard to keep yeah. track.
1: Yeah, this piece is from Music Week. Um, it was written by Andre Payne, and and I love how you know uh, he digs into kind of the the numbers. You know, they talk about, and I believe Music Week is based in the UK, so a lot of their stuff is uh, UK-centric. But, you know, they talk about The Killers, um, and the album uh, Pressure Machine made number one with 25,110 sales. So, get this, 7.1% from streaming, 83.8% on physical. Physical, unbelievable. That that, uh, blew me away. Um, In contrast, you know, we were just talking about Olivia Rodrigo, you know, Sour uh, rebounded to number two with a little over 10,000 sales, 91, almost 92% were streams. Yes. And only 664 were physical sales. So that's like 6.6% for those of you keeping track. Um, And incredibly, Sour was not even available for vinyl until, you know, August 20th, but you and I both know because we've reported on it uh, so much, you know, the difficulties and challenges with vinyl. So, you know, yeah, that could have affected that number, but still almost 92% digital compared to the killers, you know, which was almost 84% uh,
0: yeah. uh, physical. So that was really interesting. Well, and it says the, the performance of a Ali- of Olivia Rodrigo's album shows how labels and artists can now set up camp in the top 40. if They can connect to a streaming audience. Uh, But as a 2021 debut artist, Rodrigo is the exception. The easiest way to do it is with old favorites, catalog releases, that are played on repeat. And one of the most interesting things about the article is is kind of talking about catalog and we both you know over our in our in our in our work history have worked in catalog departments. And that is yeah. a that is a different beast from from uh, from working in new frontline. Orders, in frontline yeah. stuff. Exactly. But they're saying as 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 the older demographic moves into streaming that what's happening for certainly is you're seeing a lot of a lot of catalog artists old established artists coming up on these charts and making more of a dent in the streaming world because the yeah. old demographic is now streaming and um, yeah fascinating stuff and and uh you know you're you're seeing queen and fleetwood mac and elton john oasis yeah. abba all these catalog artists classic catalog Lodged in the upper reaches of the chart as older consumers embrace streaming, and it's a global phenomenon. Jade, it's not just yeah. it's not just here and, in the US. And
1: and you and I, you and I talked about how uh, I think it was, gosh, it was recently we were talking about some of these um, some of these charts that came out, um, and they list some of the biggest money makers, and one of them was Queen. And yes, they had the movie, and mm-hmm. you know, and and all of that. But catalog is uh legit, and especially since people are getting back into vinyl, not just because of the pandemic, I had a friend of mine ask me uh, yesterday if if I thought that you know vinyl was you know on on the decline, you know now that the pandemic well isn't what it used to be, but it could <laughs> yeah. be it could be again um and I said the numbers don't indicate that right the number the numbers show it's still growing, and that's not all. Um, catalog. And I know from just seeing artists on the road this week at the merch table, seeing people buy vinyl. And I think vinyl is one of those things that even if you don't listen to it, some people buy it. They don't even have a turntable. They have it signed at the show. They Mm -hmm. put it up on their wall. It comes with a download card. Um, Some people still like downloads. Um, Not as many, but some. (laughs) So it's interesting looking at, because I would have just assumed that it's a streaming world, you know, what is it? 80, 85% of the business is streaming. So I would have thought, well, maybe it's, it's that way across the board, but there are genres that are still uh, physical heavy, you know, jazz is still Mm -hmm. physical heavy, although it's still, you know, uh, streaming. And there's certain territories that still, you know, like we talked about Japan and how there's still, you know, a hundred tower record stores there and people still like that tactile, you know, Experience of, of buying things, but this this
0: piece was kind of eye opening in that way. Well, I, the, the the thing we started talking about, which was the difference between people at the top of the charts, Killers and Olivia Olivia, Olivia Rodrigo, how their, you know, how those those elements contributing to their chart numbers are very different between artists, and that's just fascinating. Like you said, when you talk about the Killers and and you know more than eighty percent of, of their sales in quotation marks were physical. I mean, that's mind blowing in this day and age. I would have, I mean, I I read that, I'm like, is that a typo? That just seems unreal, but it is what it is. And you know, it's, but again, it, it goes to when you're talking about artist development, it just goes to show you again how challenging it is because you've got you know w- where are you in this mix and it's going to be different for everybody and it's yeah. it's a challenge that I know you kind of deal with all the day in and day out which is okay yeah. you know what is the mix what is the what are the elements that are going to contribute to the success of this artist yeah Way and different. I wish it was I wish it was that simple um, you and I talked a little bit
1: earlier about how simple the industry used to be mm-hmm. and it's not that simple because there's uh, a different plan basically a different marketing plan for every track and you it's not replicatable if that's a word in that you can't it's not a cookie cutter cookie cutter approach it's easy for you to say yes because you you can't do that we we've seen it time and time again you have to look at each individual campaign on its own merit and have a unique plan for that and that wasn't necessarily as pronounced in the older music industry. So in a lot of ways, it's easier sometimes if you have something with a good sync license or a TikTok thing that's exploding. But in some ways, it's much, much harder to rise above the clutter of just the sheer volume of all of this music being uploaded. But I think that's also what makes the industry fun, Today, Besides the fact that you and I, uh, we love this stuff and we get to learn about all these new platforms and things that people are, are using. Um, I love watching how the artists are uh, adapting and they're growing up in this era. So they don't mm-hmm. have the preconceived notions that maybe yeah. I had. And it's really interesting watching some of these younger artists and how they're growing their base. But at, at the, you know, the heart of all of it is you have to have great music that connects with, with an audience and you have to find your tribe. That's the hardest part. I mean, yeah. you got to find your tribe, find that audience that will connect to you. And look, uh, when it comes to growing an audience live, you know putting COVID aside, live is still um, the, the best way to do that. But when it comes to commerce... Um, you're not going to make a ton of money on sales, streams and downloads. Uh, It's just you're going to make revenue from touring and merch and sync and some of these other things. And yes, there are people that are making a huge amount of money in streaming, but uh, it's not a lot of the developing artists are doing that. It's just it's really challenging.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, a good article. Did we mention it was from uh, Andre Payne? I'm not sure if you said that or not. Um, yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah, we did. Sorry, okay. in Music Week. No, that's so. okay. Definitely worth checking out. And you know, it's again, yeah, Music Week's pretty cool. You, they do. Um, yeah, I, I like
1: some of these um, UK-based. Like you and I talk about music business worldwide, and you know, writers like Tim Ingham and uh, really great resources. But um, Music Week, I think it's actually a magazine too um, over there that you can subscribe to. Yes. They have directories and all sorts of things. Um, I like reading it. Music Business Worldwide is based in the UK, but it really has a global approach. Mm-hmm. Music Week, and, and maybe it's just the articles that I've read, seem to be a little bit more UK centric. Yeah, yep. yeah,
0: yeah, indeed. But all great stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. On that note, Jay, we got to wrap it up if you can believe that. It's uh, 55. 55, the double nickels. Well, I do want to thank our wonderful sponsors including TiVo music metadata band zoogle how about hype and bands in town of course and uh, love boy, it we we as you have said, it's what's the hair club line? that Oh, yeah.
1: I'm not just a the hair club president. I'm actually also a user or something to that effect. <laughs> that's
0: right. I got to look that up because that's... I, I'm, I I'm butchering
1: what... that. But you and I do. We do use all oh, yeah. of our, our sponsors. We are big fans of, and we're so fortunate, as you point out, every week to have... Uh, these great sponsors the help. and uh, absolutely, and we, the help. we really appreciate it.
0: And uh, we also appreciate you, the listeners. So we know you have lots and lots of choices to make with what things to listen to. There's a bevy of fantastic podcasts out there, but the fact that you are here with us, letting Jay and I put some stuff in your ears, we certainly appreciate that. Yes, without sir. That we could not. Thank you. Without you, you very we much. could not do that. Thank you very yep. much. And on that note, thank you, my brother Jay. We will see you next week on the Your Morning Coffee Podcast
2: you've been listening to your morning coffee the weekly music news program for the new music business join jay gilbert and mike etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know